Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Let me read you a list. Cunningham, Farratt, Keenum, Dobbs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. I'm sick and I'm all in on Mormonism. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Did you know Josh Dobbs scored a 29 on his Wonderlick? For reference, Pat Mahomes only scored a 24. I'm just saying. This is Arif Hassan with the Wide Left Substack. Did you know that before the show, Sam said that we need to nationalize all broadband internet utilities? Crazy. (laughs) I said no such thing. It's the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. We have so much to discuss and not a second to waste. It's the Minnesota Football Party unlocked on Sports Minnesota on a post-trade deadline Thursday edition. I'm Sam Ekstrom. You met the Lukes. Luke Braun under the weather. He's gutting it out. He's a warrior. Arif Hassan joins us as well. Ron Johnson later in the show. Full panel to discuss the Vikings' trade deadline moves and lack thereof. Quasi Adolfo Mensa's comments on these things. Jaron Hall's starting debut on Sunday against Atlanta and Kirk Cousins' future. We're going to try to bite off more than we can chew today. And oh yeah, week nine parlays. I'll try to expand on my healthy, ever-growing lead that I took last week. But first, today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. All right. Trade deadline came and went. The Vikings hedge, the equivalent of saying check. After seeing the river card, they trade for Josh Dobbs, basically a half year free rental. And they trade Ezra Cleveland, which we foreshadowed here on Locked on Sports Minnesota, and they get a sixth round pick. Luke Braun, from your illness, your misery, getting up early on the West Coast, gutting it out, being here, tell us what you think of Josh Dobbs. Uh, In my acetaminophen fueled haze. I watched some tape uh, the other day. <laughs> there were 14 uh, players on the field. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was a, everybody was blurry. What number is he? <laughs> More uh, players, fewer livers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, he's inconsistent. That's that's the the reason he has not gotten more than, you know, these sort of journeyman backup roles. Uh he can deliver the ball, you know, on time in rhythm in the universal plays, but I think because he's bounced around so much, he's learned so many different playbooks. Like if you watch the first game of of the Cardinals season, they're running the classics. Like they're running the stuff everybody runs cuz that's what he's going to know, right? Like that's what you know he's going to have. Like we're running slant flat, we're running stick, we're running just the stuff everyone has cuz I know you had that. What um, was the Hank and, Stram play? 45 toss power trap. Yeah, 65 over toss power trap. 65 yeah. toss power trap. Um but yeah, like though just the classics. Um so I I wonder if, you know, if if you want Josh Dobbs to play, which Kevin O'Connell already said, it's Darren Hall this week. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you want Josh Josh Dobbs to play, you might have to be okay with contracting the playbook a little bit just because he just got here. Right. Uh, And that's what other teams have had to do as much as he's lauded for being smart and stuff. Has just got here. Yeah, Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Uh, So that like, that's one concern. And then he's just not consistently accurate. He just doesn't set his feet in his base properly. And he just sprays them sometimes. And that leads to some, absolutely horrifying interceptions uh which i guess also jaron hall has some of those on his tape so welcome to the thunderdome (laughs) pick your poison you know i tried very hard to find like analytically what is good about josh dobbs and i'm trying to account for he was the tank quarterback he was the selected man the mercenary who came in with a job to do in arizona and he did the job pretty well he almost didn't do the job well they almost won like three games in the early season and to speak to your inconsistency point he had three straight games with a qbr over 75 and then he had three games with a qbr under 20 so pretty feast or famine but play action eh, the deep throwing and the under pressure and it none of it's great um arif I want to make you be the positive one. Is there anything redeeming about Josh Dobbs? Uh, well, first I'll say uh, under pressure relative to the rest of the quarterbacks in the league, he's surprisingly average. Average? Uh, yeah. Yeah, which... Yeah, that, pressure does not make his brain fall out the way it does a lot of, like, yeah. quarterbacks. Yeah, so, like, uh, you know, for a backup, that's actually extraordinary. <laughs> so I'll say that. Um, second, I'll say... Uh, he is a remarkably quick processor. Sometimes that will get in his own way. Uh, he won't let, sometimes he won't let players open up, but it is very good to have somebody, because uh, he'll move on from his reads a little bit too quickly, but it is very good to have that problem rather than the opposite problem of not being able to read plays quickly enough. And you can work with that as a coach to try and figure out the best ways to utilize, you know, what he can do well. He is, um, there's like always this, like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, with the Harvard, you know, we always have this understanding of guys who are like smart in one category or accomplished in one category, being smart in another category or being accomplished in it. And that doesn't really work out. But here, there is something to be said about how quick of a processor he is. To me, actually, there is a little bit of Keenum to his game. You, know, you mentioned Keenum at the beginning, um, and and primarily that uh, he doesn't take nearly as many chances as Keenum. But what I think really stands out is that he is very aggressive in ways that he can't always cash checks. Like he, mm-hmm. he he can do a lot of stuff, and to his credit, he can do a good chunk of stuff. But but he thinks he can do way more in basically every category of play. He thinks he's got a stronger arm than he does. He thinks he's a little bit more accurate than he is. He thinks he's a little bit faster than he is. And yeah, his arm is fine. His accuracy is fine. His athleticism is all right. Um, it just gets him into trouble sometimes. But the thing is, if you've got like a really good receiving core, that's fine. That's totally, you can work with that. Just like we saw with Keenum, right? Keenum was really aggressive about doing stuff that he could not capably do. But when you're throwing this to to Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, that works out. When Justin Jefferson comes back, there is, you know, the possibility that the Vikings just become a contested catch team. 
not because, you know, that's what the plays are being designed to do, but because Joshua Dobbs loves throwing tight windows and he loves throwing contested catches. Uh, if you combine like tight window throws and contested catches, he ranks like eighth in the league. Like that's just who he is. He thinks he can fit these tight windows and that's a problem with Jordan Addison. I'll be, I'll be honest, but um, I, I do think that when you've got somebody like a Justin Jefferson, you can make plays. And I would, I would way rather have a guy who can give opportunities for your players to make plays than a guy that like honestly knows his limitations. I in football, knowing your limitations is a weakness. Uh, <laughs> That's true. So, he makes he makes the right. windows tighter too. The way he th- he because sometimes he just won't put it on the right shoulder. He'll bring a defender back yeah. into the play, yeah. and, and that contributes to that. Yeah. Uh, the only issue is that when you're playing with a lead, you, you do want him to dial down a little bit. And sometimes he doesn't do that. Um, but he's how many leads little, has he had? Uh, it's, it's more than you would imagine. <laughs> 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 uh, but like when you're in a game management scenario and you're just like, look, I just want you to make completions. They could be four yards, five yards. I just don't want you to make interceptions. He'd be like, yeah, but there's like a, there's like a 20 yard out. Let's take that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't got to take that. You know, that 20 yard out is there to open up your five yard dump off. Throw it to the fullback, dude. You know? <laughs> He's perfect for Kevin O'Connell, a guy who absolutely yeah, does not yeah. know. That's right. Yeah. CJ Ham about to get some some ham targets. Luke and yeah. Josh Dobbs. Your yeah. Thoughts. Yeah. Just to echo a reef. I mean, the movement skills for one, I think that's just going to add a whole new dimension with his legs that we haven't seen. That'll be a breath of fresh air. And then two, like a reef said, just the ability to get the ball into his playmakers hands for given the setup that we got when your quarterback goes down in week eight and you got to adjust on the fly. JJ back soon, Addison, Hawkins, et cetera. You just want to keep those mouths happy, right? You want to give them opportunities to go make plays. Nothing's worse than what we watched on Monday night. Jimmy G sailing go route touchdown balls over Devontae Adams head and he's fuming on the sideline. Nobody wants to see JJ upset before we go try and sign him to an extension next year. And so I know he's not a high caliber quarterback by any means. He's definitely got his deficiencies. Luke kind of laid those out. You get behind big, he will make mistakes. And in general, yes, he does look for the check down quite a bit. And, you know, I will say, you know, a lot of the league is playing these two high safeties this year, so I really don't knock them too much for that. But he gives you enough positives in the pros and cons department, the checklist, including being extremely smart on and off the field. He can digest that playbook quickly, pick up a lot of the little nuances and details that KOC is going to ask for him. So I think he gives this team a chance to compete every week, which, you know, again, at this point in the season, for the price that it costs, basically free, in fact, I think I heard Luke mention there's actually some lingo in the deal that we could end up getting a six rounder, which would be air a six rounder, which would end up being that a was higher wrong. pick anyway. So basically, I, I was wrong oh, about was that. Wrong. Okay. Well, either yeah. way, either way, you swap a seventh and a six. It's basically for free. Not a ton of options is my point at this juncture in the season. So just given that lack of options, yeah, I'm excited to see how this whole thing plays out. Yeah, I, I don't think that this was a bad move at all. And I feel the same way about Dobbs as I did about before when they had Mullins. I think that Jaron Hall ultimately still gets the first crack at things and will have the right to continue starting if things go really well. Sometimes that's a big burden to put on someone that, hey, if you mess up, you're out of here. That might be the situation that they're in. But uh, Arif, I think that if Jaron Hall conducts himself professionally, doesn't ponder the bit 
against Atlanta and throw three picks and make mental errors that he will get the next start and potentially the next start after that. I think that this is a game-by-game audition for the rookie. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any reason to think otherwise. I think that so because I mean because what was it? It was a it was a it was Dobbs in a seventh for a sixth or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um because it's a throwaway, because it was a cheap trade, uh you know, the Vikings won't feel invested or obligated to start Dobbs. They just know that he's got that capability if need be. Um it sounds like based on the way that they were talking, he's gonna be active as the second quarterback, which tells you that they already think that he's better than Sean Mannion, which, you know, fair enough, I guess. <laughs> and, well, and, uh, and to add to that, too, it sounds like <laughs> Mullins is not close. KOC was not talking optimistically at all about... Yeah, it sounds like Mullins. he's... So yeah. they needed a guy. Like, they yeah. really yeah, needed they need a, a body. Right, yeah. and so um, I, I think that the way that they're talking about him is just like, look, we've got somebody who can, is capable of starter-quality play if we need to go there, um, but I think that that does open the door for Jaron Hall. Um, I think the way that they talked about Jaron Hall at the initial presser wasn't necessarily you know, full of confidence or anything like mm-hmm. that, <laughs> but, you know, it was, uh, especially because they wouldn't commit to him being a starter, but I imagine because they were, like, in conversation with, like, eight other people, some of whom would demand to be the starter. Um, but, you know, the fact that they wouldn't commit to him says something, but I do think that they uh, want to give him, you know, that chance or that opportunity, and I think that you're right that it's going to be kind of a week-by-week thing for him. I don't like, if he strings together two good games, I don't think a bad game is going to bench him or anything like that. But I do think that he is basically kind of riding the line here in terms of, uh, you know, how much he can keep hold of that job. Inman, is it fair to just kind of think the worst of Jaron Hall based on some of the bad stuff we saw in the preseason and training camp, or do we need to throw that out of our minds? He was working behind third string offensive lines, throwing to third string receivers. The play calling was uncreative. Do we need to sort of reset and go back to who we thought this guy was coming out of BYU and see what he can do with the starters before we can really form judgment? Yeah, I'm taking the preseason tape with a grain of salt now because, like you said, like now he's going to be able to throw to some of the best weapons in the league. He's going to be behind one of the better playing offensive lines in the league. And also, he's going to be able to have an entire game plan drawn up for him and catered to his strengths specifically instead of what you always see, the generic cookie-cutter plays that get called in every fourth quarter of every preseason game. So um, I absolutely am taking those preseason games with a little grain of salt for sure. You can't throw it all out the window. I think you got to look at what he's been adjusting to well early on. And obviously, we're not at practice. We don't know how he's progressed week in and week out. But um, I think at the end of the day, this is his job to lose. I think the trade for Dobbs, like you guys mentioned, maybe more so the uncertainty around Mullins and his back injury and his timetable to get back. I don't know. So it feels like right now this is Hall's opportunity to go out and win this job outright, or at least buy himself maybe another game or two. If he can go out and run this offense without too many hiccups and make enough plays to win this week. Justin, Daniil Hunter, and uh, Jordan Addison, Player of the Month honors for October. Addison, Rookie of the Month, Hunter, Defensive Player of the Month, and for that, we applaud. Luke Inman with a golf clap. Uh, Luke Braun, I want to give you a chance to to talk Jaron Hall, though, before we move on. Yeah, the the thing... I think that makes the biggest difference between Hall and Dobbs for me 
is anticipation. I think Jaron Hall is better, even just going to like the preseason tape, is better at throwing with anticipation than than Dobbs is. Um, but yeah, the Dobbs is the one with veteran experience, and if Jaron Hall comes in and falls apart and is clearly not ready, then you kind of have an an insurance policy where you can get something that's at least something. Um, but I, I do want to push back on the preseason tape. I think a lot of the preseason offensive futility was being behind guys like Christian Delorio and Jack Snyder and just like instant plays breaking. And what are you supposed to do about that? Um, when it was a, a, a sen- not even a perfect circumstance, just a sensible one. Uh, a sensible then one. <laughs> one that would do your mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you take home to your parents, um, <laughs> it, then it, it looked, I, I thought it looked better than what I, saw from Dobbs in the games that I watched. That's where I'm at on on that. But when, you know, things are real against a real defense and a pretty good one in Atlanta, obviously that's a way different circumstance. So yeah, huge grain of salt with all of that. Um, but I, I think he can also, you know, get the plays off on time and in rhythm. And crucially, you do not have to contract the playbook. The way Kevin O'Connell talked, it does not sound like they're going to contract the playbook for him. And, and he was able to... Um, to deliver on some of those staple concepts that aren't in everyone's playbook, but are staples for the Vikings. He has already shown that he can do those on time in rhythm in the preseason. After this, we're going to get back to Kirk Cousins. What does the future hold for him after his first major injury? We'll touch on the Ezra Cleveland deal as well. And uh, when Ron Johnson joins, we'll hit him with some of these hard hitting questions, but we've also got a word from DoorDash. Here is my plan for Sunday. I'm going to wake up, go to the gym. Oh, did I mention Sunday's my birthday? Sunday is my birthday. I'm going to wake up, go to the gym, get my birthday off to a good start. going to come home, turn on the Vikings game. And while that game is going on, I want to get something ordered for halftime, something to treat myself on the big day. Um, I'm going to get some Broadway pizza. I'm going to get some cheesy bread. I'm going to get it delivered to my home very conveniently and easily through the DoorDash app because that's what I use when I need a little something, whether it's groceries, snack, full meal, jonesing for something in the late night hours. Absolutely, DoorDash is what I use. And this is what you can use and what you can get with their current offer. Get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Download the DoorDash app, enter code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. DoorDash is 100% the easiest and best way to fuel your Sunday football viewing. Whenever the game clock stops, that's when you check in with DoorDash and get groceries, restaurant food, snacks delivered right to your door. Once again, 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order after downloading the DoorDash app. Enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply, DoorDash. All right, Ron Johnson momentarily. We're going to talk Kirk Cousins, and I want to remind folks to check out the 24-7 YouTube live stream here at Locked on Sports Minnesota. Wolves, Wild, Vikings, Twins, Gophers talk around the clock. And, hey, play a little roulette. Tune in. See if you can find the Minnesota football party. 
playing on there. You can also find the Minnesota Basketball Party, the Ron Johnson Show, and the Friday Roundtable. So as we await Ron, let's get the ball rolling on Kirk Talk. Um, Arif, you weren't here Monday, so let's go to you first. Kirk Cousins' future in flux. How do you see the offseason now playing out with him in light of what's happened? The way Kevin O'Connell talked about him, it almost seems like it's a lock that they're going <laughs> to extend him. Like that was that was so strong, especially from like a coach yeah. who doesn't have, you know, the actual hiring and firing power. Right. He was just like, yeah, Kirk's going to be healthy again. And, and and he basically said, we're going to ride with him again. It was crazy. Um I don't know that that Kwesi is is as on board as O'Connell is, but I feel like O'Connell wouldn't have spoken so strongly. So before those statements, I would have said it is a confusing mess to try and determine what's going to happen with Cousins' contract and how they're going to negotiate, figuring out what the future of that is going to be. Um, just because, like, yeah, he's coming off of, like, I mean, O'Connell said it, basically the best year that he's had as a quarterback. Um and then he gets injured, and then you're just kind of like, well, I, I don't know what to do with all of this information I have available <laughs> to me. Um, it, it would have been nice to just kind of play it out. Uh, and where the team is at as a franchise might play a role, but now it just sounds like the Vikings really just want a couple more years of Kirk Cousins. You know, I know that that's going to like frustrate people who want something new, frustrate people who, um, you know, are really jonesing to get one of those rookie quarterbacks that are always so exciting. Um, which I mean, hey, the Vikings have one of those right now. I guess he's going to play, but uh, <laughs> not the same thing. I get it, but um, but yeah, I mean, it it, it very much sounds like um, they're going to try and work out an extension, which of course with Cousins is a unique challenge given his uh, you know requirements for guarantees and the difficulties his contracts present in terms of not being able to push cap forward with restructures and stuff like that. So um, going to find that interesting, but now it just seems like it's more likely than not that they'll find some sort of long-term solution for him. It, yeah, I I could not think, and maybe you guys can, of a comp of a quarterback this age, so not a Dak Prescott, not someone young who gets hurt in a contract year, someone this age who gets hurt in a contract year and what happened to that player. If you can think of one, let me know. But let's bring in Ron Johnson to, to add to this conversation. He's the host of the Ron Johnson Show at three Ron Johnson on X and he's sporting the number eight. Oh, there it jersey. is. Is that a Sam Bradford Jersey, Ron? <clears throat> yeah, it is. No, it's, yeah. a, <laughs> no, it's a Todd Bauman. <laughs> it's a Greg Coleman. It's the Greg yeah. Coleman original. There you go. Beautiful. No, it's the Kirk Cousins Jersey. They gave us for the Vikings pregame show. And, uh, you know, it, it felt, uh, ceremonious to put it on today. I'm debating on even putting it on Sunday as a, as a tribute to Kirk Cousins during, uh, Sunday's pregame show as I drop down the uh, Ron Johnson's three-minute drill of a play he breakdown. Still alive, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> hey, I had my Kirk on for the postgame. Hey, with, with all the conspiracy theorists, I mean, that might be a plant. That might not actually be <laughs> the real Kirk Cousins. We might have planted a quarterback. They him. They Demar Hamlin him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not, he's not real. Like. Just saying that, like that lady on the plane, like that, but that yeah, not real, <laughs> not real. You guys might want to go down with this team, but I'm not. I'm getting off this. Like the I'm real playing. Kirk wouldn't have gotten hurt. Sentimentality, Ron, is a very strong emotion and is going to play into the the future of Kirk Cousins because he was playing fantastically. We love a good comeback story, mm -hmm. um, and ironically. 
the Vikings were very unsentimental when they brought in Kirk Cousins because they could have gone back to Teddy. They could have yeah. gone back to Case, but they went with Kirk. They were very unsentimental. So how do you think all of the emotions around it plays into Kirk's future with the Vikings and Kirk wanting to come back to Minnesota when he might have offers elsewhere too? Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a Zimmer-led organization when guys get quarterbacks get hurt. Um, he didn't care about quarterbacks. Um, Kevin O'Connell adores quarterbacks. He was one himself. So honestly, too, when you look at what's out there, I think this next couple of weeks, we're really going to see what life is after Kirk Cousins. And, and I think this is going to be a true test to uh, people understanding. Forget the heart. Look at what the man has done. When you look at it, and, and, I, and I, we always talked about this. When Kirk Cousins was doing this wrong, so expected completion percentage versus actual completion percentage, and I hate all these dumb stats like that, but I'm talking about the simple throws, the simple completions. There were times where Kirk Cousins should have had a higher completion percentage and people like bashed him. Oh, Kirk Cousins taking the easy stuff. He's not throwing the deep balls. He's not aggressive. He's not this. Then all of a sudden he gets JJ. He gets Jordan Addison. He's super aggressive. He's dropping, you know, he's throwing the passes that we didn't expect. He's, he's slipping through uh, uh, tackles and, and sacks, and he's finding places in the pocket to throw the ball sidearm. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, whoa, who is this guy? And, they're, and, and some people, like on the national stage, RG3 and some of those guys, they're giving Kirk Cousins credit. But then you still got the people that just hate on Kirk Cousins that don't want to let go of the old Kirk. Like people are are, 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 are like, they was like, oh, this, this is what Kirk was. He's always going to be that. People can change. Clearly. And so Kirk Cousins, I feel like, has changed. He has understood. One, he also understands, like, look, I'm not going to lose my job. And if I do, who cares? Like, I'm about to go out here and just have fun. And that's what it feels like Kirk is finally doing. I think at one point in his career, he was ultra conservative because he wasn't getting the second and third contracts. He wasn't seen as one of the top quarterbacks. So he was just trying to manage the game. Now he understands, like, I can be a winner. I can be the guy. I can throw interceptions and I'll be okay. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Ron, what do you got? What do you think the rest of the season does for this? Because I, I feel like there's something to look if they win two games from here on out and mm -hmm. like that might change the negotiating platform where Kirk can come in and say, look how much you need me. Mm -hmm. But if they go 500 and Jaron Hall looks halfway decent and, you know, then they're, they're looking at him as maybe a bridge and maybe a rook. Like, do you, do you think that that has an outsized impact on things or do you think that a decision is a little more made than that? Uh, it, look at this thing. Everything has, an, has a decision to be made. There's always a reaction and then a, 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 a reaction from that reaction or every every whatever action has a reaction. That's what it is. And so if you look at the action of him going 500, the reaction probably is like, uh, Kirk probably could have won 12 games or 11 games or 10 games, whatever the number ends up being um, in some of the games we see down the show. Again, you look at the Falcons, and I watched the Falcons on film. Their second down defense against the Titans was abominable. I don't even know if there's a better word for it, but when you look at how Will Le and maybe Will Levis is just good. I'm not going to hate on Will Levis, um, but but Will Levis made them look stupid with some of the and and it could be the play calling, it could be the 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 system they ran when they saw second down and they understood. Let's count the numbers in the defensive backfield. That's going to be part of my three minute breakdown. But that's one that's Will Levis, you know, quote unquote, shouldn't be in the league, quote unquote, not not really good. Mike Vrabel didn't even really want him, uh, was pushing the Malik Willis train. And then all of a sudden, Ski goes on throw for uh, four touchdowns. Well, then you look at Jaron Hall in that same aspect when he comes into this game. And I'm going to show ways how the Vikings can use him uh, to his to use his skill set to his advantage versus the Falcons. 
if he can get the ball out of his hands quick, he takes three strep drops, and then you go into the next game and the next game. And again, we don't have a tough game up until, in my opinion, with Kirk Cousins up until the Bengals. Now, who knows? But if they can find ways to use his skill set like Jamie Foxx in any given Sunday and say, look, you're not cap. They found Al Pacino found an offense for Jamie Foxx. Well, you look at uh, uh, Jaron Hall. Kevin O'Connell now has to be a mastermind. He has to find an offense that fits Jaron Hall because Jaron Hall is not Kirk Cousins. So long answer to the truth, true, true truth to it. If they suck, which is going to suck for us as, as media, as fans, uh, people in Minnesota, if they suck, then yes, Kirk Cousins, you can say, look, uh, y'all know y'all got to pay me. So figure this out. <laughs> if they go 500 or if they find lightning in a bottle and Case Keenum this thing and all of a sudden they're they're back in the playoffs as a high, like, like a three, four seed and or no five seed because they'd be right behind the Lions. If they're a five seed. Then everybody's and they're playing, you know, they're probably playing the Falcons or the winner of the NFC North or NFC South. Like that's a winnable game if you're the five seed in the playoffs for the NFC because you're going to play the 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 leader coming out of the NFC South. And then he wins that game, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, hold up now. They they have a chance to go play maybe the Eagles, and you know, then that's a different conversation. Then is it like, hey, if this is his team, what could he do with his team if you build this offense around him? um that's that's the that's going to be the problem with this that's going to be the long-term problem solution um because Kirk Cousins doesn't want to come back as a backup he doesn't want to come back as a mentor to Jaron Hall um so I think that's going to and then is Josh Dobbs just the backup to Jaron Hall then you move forward with Josh Dobbs as your backup because they are they have similar skill sets and now there's Jaron Hall's team so yeah I think wins and losses are going to matter in in the Kirk Cousins you know future with Minnesota mm -hmm. that would be a, a really bad beat for the people who want the Vikings to lose for better draft selection, like for a better draft position to pick a quarterback, right? Only for, for them oh, to endure no. all those losses and then extend Kirk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they like lose every game. They have the the eighth, ninth pick in the draft, and then they're like, ah, Kirk, we're gonna give you another fifty million dollars. Yeah, That's, I mean, Jason, exactly this is the, thing, the they pain could, they that could, those people deserve. They could still give Kirk fifty million and draft JJ McCarthy in the second round. Like JJ McCarthy could be, you know sit behind yeah. Kirk Cousins. Um, we know he's good at stealing signs, so what better backup quarterback to have than somebody who can like scout another team for you and figure for out sure. the Falcon signs? Like J.J. McCarthy's learned from the best in Harbaugh. Um, it's good so enough for Belichick. It's good enough for me. <laughs> he's already dropping in the mocks. He's going to be there. So we're not high on Hendon Hooker. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Controversial topic on this here show. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. The jury, the jury's still out. The jury's still out. Still on pup. Still on pup. It's I recently received something in the mail, Ron, that I won mm -hmm. on eBay. It was an absolute back and forth bidding war, $13.81. It was something though that reminded me of your days in Baltimore. And that would be a limited edition. <laughs> two. Upper deck condition signed by the legend Ron Johnson. I just want to know if you were sitting down and signing this card specifically, Ron, number 160 out of 550. Remember this photo shoot? Because I can't think of a better mean mug than what you got going on right here. Do you remember that, Ron? Uh, if that's a sticker, yeah, I do remember we signed those stickers. I can't remember if that's a sticker over the card, but yeah, I do remember like me, sticker, David Ron, Carr. Man, I just got jobbed. I think it's a sticker over the thing. I don't think we signed the actual cards. I think we signed like little placards and they put them on the cards. But yeah, it was like me, uh, Carr. Uh, who else was in there? Um, 
Javon Walker was in that room with us, Antoine Randall. Like there's like 10 of us in a room. And literally we sat there for, I don't know how many, like it was like a good hour or two just signing a bunch of crap. And they paid us like, I mean, they paid us a decent amount of money. I'm not going to say how much, but they paid us. I mean, just imagine <laughs> David Carr was there. So, you know, he got paid. Uh, <laughs> oh, big time. Big time. I'm just going to say yeah, David Carr, like an, David Carr for like one sitting. I think they paid him like 75 grand to sit there for like an hour and a half or two hours. That's not bad. I've always I been curious how much, how much, they really paid guys, how much they paid these rookies. Yeah, everybody had, so, we had the so same agent. So that's the only reason why I knew David's number because we had right. the same agent. So my agent just kind of told me, like, hey, you're not going to get David Carr money. You're not getting 75, but here's your right. number. And I was like, oh, okay, right. for two hours, I'll take that. Um, but yeah, I, I remember that because, because I walked in and I met Dave and, you know, he had the, 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 the surfer hair looked like he has been putting moose in it for hours, uh, trying to get it to sit straight. So yeah. <laughs> this is such a coincidence because this week I also found a Ron Johnson football card. Oh my god! On the web, Stop this it. one fantastic. Stop this it! This one has a nice little. It. it has a nice paragraph about you, Ron, on the back. Ron received his way into the Gophers' record book, becoming the school's new career leader for TD grabs, receptions, and receiving yards, all ranking among the top ten in Big Ten conference annals. Ron also set a new single-season school mark for receiving yards in 2001 while earning the team's MVP award. Look at that. Should have spent money on gas. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't say that, Ron. This is an investment. This is an investment. <laughs> the appreciation rate. Ron Johnson. It's like buying a Beanie Baby. Cards. Best 13 bucks I've ever spent. It'll, it'll go up to about $14. Don't worry. There you go. You'll make right 75 here. cents on that one. That's where it's going right here. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, the card's useless now, right? Didn't Eric Decker or no, Tyler Johnson. Pretty Decker, much. Uh, Tyler yeah. Johnson got one of the records. Eric Decker got the yards. Um, <laughs> yeah. Only thing I'm holding yeah, on to is I still have the NCAA record for catches consecutive. Every single game I played in, I had a catch. So that's the only thing that. I'm, it's the only thing I'm holding that. on to. But it's, it's going to get beat because now these kids play 12 games. So even if they if they don't make a bowl game, somebody can beat it with forty eight games. So yeah, we'll see. Fifth year guys, yeah. In. Oh yeah, that's that was the most annoying thing was Chris Altman Bell in his seventh year yeah. almost <laughs> almost got it. Like he was at like forty one, and I'm like, come on, man, this is year seven. Like stop the Bulls. <laughs> like I'm all for it. I'm a fan. Chris is my boy, but I'm like, dude, seven years. Come on now, man. Stop playing. Stop playing with me. And then, uh, then he, yeah, then he played in the game though and didn't get a catch because I know they were trying to like get him catches even though he wasn't healthy. Um, but yeah, he played in the game and didn't get a catch, so then it ended. But I'm like, come on now. I'm like, he also missed games to injury. I'm like, I never missed a game. And they're like, oh no, it's just it's just consecutive games he played. And I'm like, get out of here. Stop that. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, I think the yeah, NFL consecutive yeah, uh, games of the catch record belongs to Antonio Brown. So I'm going to add that to the list of comps to Ron <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. We I were choosing between be... Ron and Antonio when we were looking for a host. <laughs> yeah. I never want to be in that same conversation with Antonio Brown. <laughs> Ten years ago, maybe. Now? <laughs> <laughs> a little tougher, a little tougher. Oh, um, well, we we could bring this back to football if you want. Who would you rather have, Jaron Hall or Taylor Heineke? Ooh, 
Well, we know what Taylor Heineke is. Like we've seen mm-hmm. him against the Washington Commanders in the Vikings game, and uh, we've seen him have some great games because he we know he goes on buys the Jordans after he wins a game. I don't know if he's still doing that or not. One hundred percent doing that. <laughs> he still hasn't gotten those purple Jordans yet, though. He hasn't gotten the purple Jordans. He hasn't beat the Vikings. It's like Thanos out here trying to collect uh, collect stones. Um, <laughs> he needs the power stone from the Vikings. Uh, for those that don't know, the purple is the power stone. Uh, I don't know why I know that. It's sad. Um, no, you're a nerd. You can yeah, the, the red wow. is the mind stone, but it's really not a stone. It's a sloth. Uh, hey, the value of that card just went up 50 cents. <laughs> I, had <to> pull <laughs> it out of, I had to pull it out of Jane. <laughs> but he's waiting for the Viking stone. So if I had to pick, honestly, I would pick Jaron Hall for his escapability. Uh, we saw it in the preseason. We haven't seen it in the game yet. Him sitting in the pocket too long and getting a strip sack fumble. Um, I think as a just a young guy coming in nervous, not knowing what he should and shouldn't do. I hope that Kevin O'Connell has been beating it into his head this week of, hey, if you don't feel it, if you count the – because like if say it's a three-step drop, the way I've always been taught or heard has been taught, um, and for receivers too to like kind of know like, okay, it's time to maybe escape if you're still covered. Like run your route and then boom, boom, and then uncover. Don't just stand there and look at the quarterback like, oh, is he going to run? Is he going to get sacked? Um, and so for Jaron Hall, it's got to be – on the three, if he stops the hitch, I don't have it, go. On the five, stop, hitch, hitch, and then go. And so I hope he gets that because if you hitch, hitch, hit, you're going to get sacked. Like you don't have that many in the five, three, so it, it, it kind of goes. And in the seven, it's kind of reading it. If it's a play action, seven-step drop, you read it. You see it right away. If you have it, throw it. If not, you go. And so that's where Jaron Hall's got to get that clock because he is considered technically an escapable running quarterback and so if you put them in that category of guys like Josh Allen, who do that really well, uh, Russell Wilson earlier in his career, Aaron Rodgers his entire career, that's where Jaron Hall needs to be. He needs to fill that pocket like there's nothing there for me. Let me just go get six or seven yards. And I think that's the key. If you watch the Michigan State Gophers game, when they went from one quarterback to the next, the rookie or freshman quarterback was a runner. And the Gophers could not figure out when he was going to run, but he had that clock in his head and he killed them in that drive now he didn't come in until like the fourth quarter thank goodness um but that's that's where i see jaron hall being effective when you look at the way the falcons drop linemen in the coverage those guys can't run the way um some of the linebackers can and their backers are really helping out in coverage i don't know why they the the titans went empty and they left like two to three backers in the game and so they think their backers like their backer covered deandre hopkins dumbest decision ever but that's that's how the Falcons play it. They're they're playing it where they don't see numbers. They just see schemes. And so you might see Jordan Addison being covered by a backer, and that's where Jaron Hall has to understand to take advantage of that. Ron, we'll leave a little meat on the bone for the roundtable tomorrow. We're hot up against our time limit. We'll talk Falcons predictions tomorrow. We'll talk a little Ezra Cleveland. We didn't get to that. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you with Reggie Wilson and Julia Daniels and the Kirk Cousins swag on his back. Ron Johnson. <laughs> He's at three, the number three, Ron Johnson. We're really serving the YouTube viewers today. I wonder if Kirk uh, Cousins <laughs> is going to let uh, people sign his cast because I want to sign it. I, cast, yeah. What, uh, what cast? He's his got, cast. He's got, he's got the purple cast. So, you know, yeah, oh, when you were a kid, you used to get your cast signed. Yeah, I wasn't you sure never, what Ron You said. never did that? I never had a cast. Uh, oh. Actually, well, I take that back. I did, but it was on my nose. A broken nose, and they put a cast on your nose. No, they they did. There That's was a, such a there was Sam like a, cast. 
There was a cast on my nose for two weeks. It was terrible. So you look like uh, you just look like you were going to the beach every day. Yeah, it looked like from a distance. It just looked like I loaded up my nose with sunscreen. That's exactly what it was. It wasn't fun. Uh, Ron, we'll talk to you in the roundtable in the morning. Appreciate it. Perfect. At three, Ron Johnson on X. We love him every Thursday on the show. Um, we're gonna get a word in from a partner. We'll do ten seconds each on Ezra Cleveland, and then make our parlay picks. Luke, tell the people about Prize Picks, my friend. Yeah, today's episode of the Minnesota Football Party brought to you by Prize Picks, which is daily fantasy made easy. But it's not daily fantasy the way you may be traditionally familiar with it. It's a little pared down to make it a little bit simpler and easier to win. Because for me, at least, daily fantasy is not a fun game anymore. There's too many sharps putting in crazy outlier scenarios in these pools of 600,000 people. And I don't want to have to do a whole lineup. If I think a certain thing about a quarterback, I don't want to also have to put a kicker into that. I just want to do the thing on the quarterback. And that is what prize picks is for. They set an amount and you just have to decide more than or less than it's you against the house. Pick two to six of your favorite players and whether you think they'll do better or worse than their prize picks projection. You can go to uh, prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 or use code locked on NFL. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. For an example of this, check out locked on Vikings on Fridays where we do our prize picks, prized picks every week. All right, when an offensive lineman gets dealt for a sixth-round pick, we take 10 seconds each to address their career and exit. Uh, and we're going to call it, we're going to lump this into... Start the clock. It's time to execute the four-minute drill. The 40-second drill. <laughs> oh. Who is that? Luke Braun, Go. Uh, let's see. He didn't get, I, I think they could have maybe negotiated more out of this considering that he's a bona fide starting player on the offensive line, but obviously Dalton Reisner played well enough. They felt pretty comfortable doing this. And after watching the game, I get it, but I do think the Vikings got a little worse. 13 seconds. Not bad. Reef. Uh, average -ish guard, but only one year left on his contract, getting a third day pick. I don't love the trade, but I don't think it hurts the Vikings that extraordinarily much. Plus, I don't know when Chris Reed is coming back, so they may have more depth than we think they do. Yeah, didn't love the compensation for a guy who started 35 straight games entering his prime, but feels like a move that was going to happen either way, no matter what they could get back. I'm thinking about the future now, what happens next year. I think they offer Reisner a cheap one- or two-year deal that he probably won't take and say come back and compete with Blake Randall, excuse me, for the job. I forgot about Chris Reed's return. He offers depth. Blake Brandle offers depth. I'm totally fine with the depth situation. Just wish it could have been higher than a sixth-round pick. Would have even been happy with a fifth. Um, that's Ezra Cleveland for you, and now our parlays. And now it gets fun, boys. You know, we were all tepid. We were all walking on eggshells. We didn't want to bet too big. We didn't want to make too big of a splash. Well, now you have to. <laughs> because your boy used his advantage to win a $1,300 prize last week, and he's now at $2,002. Arif is in second with 1116. Braun, 705. Inman, 650. Our weekly parlays begin now a minimum bet of 90, maximum bet of 900. 
Um, I'm going to bet low, aim big. So I start. I'm uh, going to do something completely random. Browns Cardinals. Um, probably the unsexiest game of the week. A field goal attempt will culminate the first drive. A field goal attempt. Those One of those quarterbacks is not getting in the end zone. Um, but a field goal attempt will end the first drive. That's my first leg. Next is Inman. All right, my first leg, I'm going to go with Rasheed Rice over three and a half catches at minus 130. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey's back this week or not. I don't really care, to be honest. Chief system moves mm-hmm. everyone around constantly, and all this guy does is catch four or five balls every game. So Rasheed Rice, three and a half catches over minus 130. Mark me down. Uh, sorry, next one up is Arif. Okay, I've not been keeping track of what everybody uh, has picked. <laughs> <laughs> so you almost uh, certainly are not going to get a duplicate. <laughs> oh, okay, great. Um, geez. Okay. I'll take Jalen hurts anytime touchdown because I've been taking that most weeks. It's been working out for me pretty well. Uh, and then I'll also got to hate these spreads so much. Uh, I think I'll take Texans minus three. No one else has taken that, right? No. All right, cool. Let me figure out real quick what the math is on this. Uh, I almost took dolphins. Not to double back, but I wasn't going to take that, so that's fine. Cool. Uh, It's plus 272. I'm taking the minimum this week, whatever that is. Uh, Say that again. Plus 272 for the minimum. Wait, did you make two picks? Did I miss it? Yeah, Houston, Texas minus three, and Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. I wasn't going to take either of those, so. All right, you're doing minimum? Yeah. Because you're trying not to lose, you're you're playing. This is the PJ Fleck kind of bet at plus what? Well, I mean, the only thing that happens is whatever happens to the losers. So. I I realize that. I realize that. Um, at plus what? Two thirty two, two seventy two, seventy two. Thank you, Luke Braun. Pick twice. Uh, so I'm sticking with the Vikings one score game magic, even though they uh, they broke the streak. The Packers. I think they're right back to their ways. I'll take an alternate spread total points double. Vikings plus five and a half and under 37 and a half points. I think this is going to be like one of those 16 to 13 games. Uh, that's plus 250. And then the second leg will be Tyree Kill anytime touchdown scorer, which is minus 145 for a total of uh, plus 491. And I'll put the minimum on that to win minimum 90 to win $442.24. All right. We already have a reef locked in. Let's go to Inman. All right, remember last year when I ran with the Jags win or lose for like eight weeks in a row because my theory was like, all right, they're not going to lose twice. And if they do lose twice, they're not going to lose three times. That worked out great for me. Well, <laughs> last week, bear with you me, do. stick with me. Last week, I missed on the Falcons-Titans under 36 and a half because Will Levis went off. So this week, I'm just so tempted to run it back on the under tonight, short week, Thursday night football, which... Thursday sure. Night Football, notoriously known to have a terrible, crappy game every third week or so. Rookie quarterback, second start, defenses start to adjust. He's on the road in Pittsburgh. They're getting Cam Hayward back. Pickett stinks. 36 and a half, though, is so low. But I'm going to do it anyways. Under 36 and a half. <laughs> like, you're like, and Vegas has accounted for all of this, but... 
Come on, Vegas. Thirty-six and a um, half. Sam, it's so low, dude. It's disgusting. Um, Sam, uh, internet's down, obviously. Um, so you're gonna have to punch this in. But I'm gonna up the ante. I'm gonna go with two hundred bucks. I got to get back on the board. All right, I'll figure out what the odds are after this. I got mine pulled up, so I don't want to mess it up. I've got. Um, I, I think that the Raiders, having shed Josh McDaniels, are gonna have a huge performance against the Giants at home. Devontae Adams will get a, a, a get-right game for him. I'm pumping the spread up to six and a half and taking the Raiders by a touchdown against the Giants. That paired with my random field goal attempt in the uh, Cardinals-Browns game, betting 100 to win 14-39, plus 14-39. Um, it's nice to have a lead. Nice to have a lead in this game. Those are our parlays, and that's our show. Luke Braun, Locked on Vikings. Luke Inman, all the postcasts, Wolves, Gophers, Vikings. You can catch them last night talking Wolves over the Nuggets, and you got Arif Hassan. Subscribe to his wide left substack. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening on the Locked on Vikings feed. We'll talk to you in the postcast after the game Sunday and on the party next Monday.